the predatory program against women on this planet is uh, is just uh, severe, you know, and has been. So let me just be clear about that. Um, and no one's more happy than I am that this came up for reclamation. My point is that when I see a news story that um, a male predator is being punished, it does not give me resolution. Uh, and so what I'm saying is in order to resolve it, you know, I'm a mother of two sons. I'm married to a beautiful man. I love you guys. I love men. Like I love men and I have the masculine inside of me. And so the solution isn't to just swing to the other pendulum and be like, okay, let's cut off all the penises now. You know, like let's be, let's understand that we both have these energies within us. And that behavior was by design. It was actually put into the spiritual uh, history of our planet. The, the feminine was ripped out of spiritual knowledge, you know, thousands of years ago. This is where this begins. It doesn't begin with a, with a guy who's an asshole. You know, that's, that's the effect of it. So again, going back to this moment that we're in this moment of planetary transformation and we are going to rewrite the way that we are in relationship with each other together. Like we've never seen it. It's never existed here in a, in a totally balanced, um, embodied form. Um, so hello and welcome to the Happy Pair podcast. Oh, that was very serious, wasn't it, Sarah? I'm just cutting to the chase here. Hi, I'm Dave. <laughs> so bored there sorry hello i'm dave hi and welcome to the happy pair show are we a show now are we well i just thought the show was quite ironic given that you were yawning into the microphone i wasn't yawning that makes me sound bored okay, well, well for context it is it is pat, nearly your bedtime yeah, it is, and <laughs> it's how it wins and i just want to wrap up in a okay winter in ireland movies. it is now 5 17 p.m it's getting dark at 4 30 in the evening it's dark, it's damp, it's grey. Earlier I was sitting working on the couch with Daisy beside me, wrapped up in a blanket, and I felt like, maybe I'll just have a nap with Daisy. <laughs> you know, I think you no, did no, have no. a nap. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to pretend. Didn't you well, say you were no, meditating? You, you had a nap <laughs> earlier, I did have a nap, so. yeah, yeah, I was meditating. I was meditating, it's a nice way of making a nap sound spiritual. <laughs> um, there was a storm here, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, it's been, it was a massive storm the last two days, it was called Storm Barra. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I actually really like it. I lied in bed last night and it was interesting because there was loads of howling winds. There was howling winds and they kind of whistled through the garden or something. And I was sure I either thought A, it was a banshee or B, uh, maybe the girls, like my daughters were like going, daddy, or, or like we're scared or something. So I ran upstairs and thought it was one of the girls, but it wasn't. It was nothing. It was just the wind. So. What's a banshee day for anyone? Uh, banshee is like an old Irish kind of thing of a banshee. It's like a, you know, some kind of. You hear a female screaming and it's meant to be some like someone from the grave that there's it's you know it's yeah. an old irish myth anyway but well, that's yeah nice. well it's not really nice story, i just thought it was but... a bit underwhelming the whole storm <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i do happened. like well no i uh, like a, a tree came down in the garden and then my sacred arch of matrimonial bliss um which, which i is, painted which is the arch which uh me and dennis lovingly built before my wedding earlier this year and i painted yeah and you did a great job and then when it blew over <laughs> i noticed you missed the bits <laughs> at the top <laughs> <laughs> so there you go so right which back I didn't you. paint yeah uh those blew over so it wasn't like it maybe in your garden it wasn't that bad but my house it was pretty windy so right. and it, poor elsie couldn't sleep for a couple hours so. neither could your wife yeah wow well that's kind of normal so 
How did you I find the storm? <laughs> I find like the evenings, like in winter, just glorious. Like that sense of maybe it's like because I have this kind of always go type personality. And when it's dark outside and it's cold and it's damp and the fire is lit and the curtains are closed and the family all just kind of gathers around the fire, there's something. I don't know. It just feels like permission to it just, just feels chill. like a warm hug. Like you're just sitting there. We might watch a movie. We not, might not. We might like sit in the ground and draw stuff, or we might just whatever tell stories. It's I don't know. I'm really How really enjoying. How often do you sit on the ground and draw stuff? Ned's got really into art recently, so he's drawn all sorts of stuff. So you kind of have to sit and play with him, and it's it's kind of really nice. That's nice. He got he got new crayons the other day for anyone listening, and he really likes them. Cool. Ned, your five year old. Yeah, yeah. So really, just in case he's not oh, Ned. That's good. <laughs> Um, and Sarah, how's your new house? My new house is lovely. Thank you very much. Yeah. I have just renovated my um, my parents' garage. You personally renovated? Yeah. It feels like my tree house. Oh, it's deadly. Sarah's got the coolest, uh, what's the name of the fancy bed? Mezzanine. Mezzanine. Me- oh, yeah, mezzanine, isn't it? Yeah. Your where, mess bed. Where uh, I have to climb a little ladder to get into my little cave, my little nest. And I curl up there at night. It's lovely. So I really enjoyed the wind hearing it outside, but I'm sure that was it. From the crow's boom. <laughs> Anyway. There, anyway, I think we should get into uh, <laughs> the what we're here for. <laughs> Sarah, are you going to lead us into I was planning to, but I feel like you cut me off there. David. Oh, sorry. Okay, no, we can do that again. Okay, you go. Sorry, okay. you're go. Sarah, tell us about the podcast. Well, week. anyway, I would like to uh, lead in with um, our fabulous guest that we have today. The wonderful, you're a friend, actually, which is nice. And as we commented on just, just before we began recording, this is one of the few guests that you've actually have a proper relationship with and know and have hung out with loads of times before recording which is great yeah yeah julie's brilliant uh so so uh, if you didn't read the title uh, <laughs> where were you clicked record, on yeah, what you clicked on uh <laughs> where this chat is with julie Pyatt, aka shrimati julie is wonderful she's a glorious human we've hung out with her loads of times uh, Julie's from LA. She's a spiritual teacher. She's a yogi. She's a chef. She's got a cheese business. She's a powerful woman that has lo- years of wisdom and curiosities and open heartedness and loads of little nuggets to share with us today. Yeah, our conversation already kind of were kind of hangs right in the esoteric in the sense of kind of how can we find meaning in this somewhat materialistic world and how can we connect in with kind of that find that sense of self and surrender to the greater sense of divinity that is within us all yeah really we kind of camped it into the divine and how we actually find more meaning on a daily basis and where it is there was a couple of bits which i loved she talked about creativity and sexuality and spirituality how they all intertwine and how, in a triad yeah she, she called them uh, i think it was a triangle was it a triad a triad. I thought it was a better trinity. It was like a oh, trinity. Lovely. I thought trinity was a better word. Anyway, me the matrix. Without further ado, we would like to give you the wonderful, the one and only Shri Mati, aka Ma- Julie Pyatt. Hope you really enjoy this. I really do. Uh, if you like this, if you wouldn't mind giving us five stars on Apple as a review, that'd be great. And if you don't like it, don't tell anyone because no one likes a whinger. You like that line, eh? I kind of do. Well, I, no, I feel a little bad about it. I don't think I delivered it that well. Anyway. anyway. anyway <laughs> here sorry. we go. Anyway, sorry. We're doing... Scrolling <laughs> ahead, we give you the wonderful Julie Pyatt. I like the, the kind of snake-like wooden thing behind you. It looks, adds a kind of magic sense of the source. Is that your magic staff? You know, of course, only you would would notice this. I do podcasts like every day here and no one ever, ever mentions it. But this is actually a medicine stick that is connected to the aboriginal energy and it's it was made for me by a, a healer who made it and it's pretty epic 
Jeez, Jeez. so it is stick. a magic stick, a stick of prosperity. It's one of and... my staffs. <laughs> <laughs> one of your many staff. Exactly, exactly. That's nice. So anyway, oh, that's all right. great fun. Says life in, in California, Julie. So good, so good. Really? It's great, it's beautiful. Um, we're just here with the, oh, there's Rich. Oh, there, there he is. is. Gonna say hi. Oh, there's Mr. 55. <laughs> all right, Mr. <laughs> 55. <laughs> Oh, How's it going? He doesn't have headphones, so you can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> your, head's, your head's cut off there. Oh, there he is. His hair is looking good, isn't it? He looks, looks great. cute. Looking great. Well, he always looks cute, so. Looks cute. Laddies. Boys. Laddies, we got to meet in Italy soon. Are you guys going to come go? down you in plan May? On? Okay, well, we're, we're scheduled in May. We'll see what happens to the yeah, planetary exactly. implosion. Yeah, Actually, if, it's, oh. if it's happening, we'd love to be there. Sure, She's May in Italy. Brilliant. Wouldn't it be the great? The same lovely place. Sorry? Same it's place, the same yeah. lovely place. Oh, I love that place. That was gorgeous. Yeah, that's a good place, right? Well, we How are up... you guys? So there was a wedding in the neighborhood, I oh, saw. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got married. Congratulations, yeah, I, got, I got divorced. Dave. I got divorced, I got married, and I bought a house all in one year. All in one year. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. That's amazing. That's a lot of transformation and yeah, evolution. Really yes. Yeah. Aww, yeah. Energy beautiful. flowing and moving and evolving and all of the above. <laughs> That's right. It's all about that, right? Just got to keep it going. So. Yeah, I know. And even we were like, we were, we were kind of chatting about this conversation and Steve has gone, well, Julie's really the queen of transformation. Like Julie just transforms and evolves and, you know, embraces all of it like every bit of it so you know i think that's maybe a good place well, to start yeah it's kind of it's interesting because i'm i used to tell my friends like if i'm not transforming completely every seven years then i don't want to be alive like i didn't come here to just find stasis like for me knowing where i'm going to be for the rest of my life is like death and i know you share that too david for sure yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, th yeah. I think part of part of like that I admire uh, hugely in you is your sense of understanding that we're all going to die and that this journey that we're on, we don't know how long it's going to be. So it's like, let's let's lean into it and let's embrace it and let's just let it unfold as opposed to so many of us are afraid of death and kind of see it as this, even the discussion around death is frightening. Why are we talking about such morbid things? Whereas I think it's it's when we fully embrace our death that it can give us that sense of, purpose that sense of presence that sense of savoring the little things that's nice yeah and i i mean you guys you guys definitely you live that that's definitely your you know your mantra and your way of being and i think that that you know that's this moment of planetary transformation which is being shown to us via this mechanism to get you right with who you are i mean it's it's around us all the time we've all had people transition it's a huge time of planetary exit so, and, and not, not all what, COVID, what like does, also what does, very. What does planetary exit mean? What does that mean? <laughs> it means that like exit, certain like souls in, came here. Right. Like I would say that we came here to participate in this moment of planetary transformation. Okay. So a lot of people are talking about, you know, well, we want it to go back to the way it was, but if any of us just take two minutes and, and look at the news or read the paper or just look around, it's like, you know, we've been living in a realm with a lot of dark stuff going on, like a lot of torture and war and, you know, devastating suffering. 
And so I think those of us that are breathing, that are listening to this podcast, that are here, that are that are alive, we came here to be part of this expansion and evolution. And just like a birth, when you're going through change, you know, change is painful. It has painful aspects to it. But one thing that I'd like to keep my awareness on is that this is not like a time any other time in history. We've entered into a new age. It's a new era in the planetary constellation, call it. And so people are choosing to take exit, meaning they will leave their bodies in various ways because they have other contracts to do other things. So we aren't going to, we aren't going to, you know, continue going to the mall and continue just buying shit and, you know, accumulating more stuff. And then, you know, we get some titles and then we die and that's it. We're here for earth school. We're here to evolve and transform and expand and learn and really experience all different kinds of experience, which provide our evolution. And so it really is a profound time on this planet. Uh, and I'm not denying the suffering and, you know, terrible loss. And, you know, that's something that's very human that we all have to go through. It's not something you can bypass. However, if we can take a hawk's view, we can come up a little bit higher. We can really understand that this is really the moment we've been waiting for. I would say this moment is why we took a body. And those of us that stay here, um, it's there are some expansive, miraculous, uh, new uh, experiences, creations, structures, relationships, ways of being in community, ways of being human together, connecting with nature, with animals, with the winds, with the elements, we suddenly can reclaim our spiritual connection and experience really a full life instead of just like a half-life of the material or the masculine or the patriarchy, but a full life of all the magic and the unseen and the um, all the mysticism and and everything that is what it makes what makes up a, a human being. Poetic, go Julie. <laughs> I, I was lovely. I really you've missed almost, you've missed me. I yeah. have missed you. We obviously have. <laughs> of course, it's it's almost like what you're saying is a bit like that. The you know the way that expression like the darkest hour of the night is just before dawn, and it's a bit like right now, like as you're saying across the world, there's there's so much like darkness, there's so much change, uncertainty, like the ground is very unstable for all of us. And in a sense, it's almost driving us inwards because it is just changing so much. And the only thing that we can, to some degree, have any, you know, sense of control over is our own inner space. And not that, like, and most of us aren't even aware that we have influence over this because we're, you know, life is so external. I wonder, could you chat a bit like, uh, like, is that part of what you're talking about, the transformation that it's driving us inwards to kind of start taking a bit more? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, yeah, you're right on. I mean, definitely. The, and the thing is, is that if this hadn't happened, I mean, if it if it hadn't happened, 98 percent of us would just still be going to the mall. You know, or still be, you know, it could have material it, it life. Is caught up in whatever, caught up in, you know, in acting like, I mean, our culture as a, as a, as a collective, we don't even know how to deal with death. We, we haven't even considered it, you know? And so when it happens, it's this awkward thing where it should be this ceremony of rite of passage. You know, it's like when my own father passed away, 
I had a, a very, very expansive experience with him, which was quite hilarious because we were very different in our human orientations. Let's say he was an engineer, two plus two equals four. I'm a multidimensional being. I was like, two plus two, plus two is 22, dad. What are you talking That's about? That's an understatement. You know? so, That's an understatement. Understatement. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but it's this interesting thing that I, that I received from life. And he asked me if I would help him die. And, and, and he was ready to go, not in pain, you know, 90 through 92 years old. And, um, and so we were with him during this process and I got to tell him, you know, he was a mountain man and a hunter and a pilot. And I was like, dad, you're going on your greatest expedition of your life. And you know how to go on an expedition. Like he was literally like an Indiana Jones type guy, but not with any formal spiritual connection, you know? And at the end of his life, like his friend gave him a Bible and he was trying to read the Bible. And I was like, dad, give me the Bible. Like, like your Bible is nature. Like you've been communing with the mountains and the trees and the land, like your whole life. So we had this experience and we were able to be with him when he took his last breath. And then my sister and I, I prepared some rose water and we, we washed the body ceremoniously with rose water. And then I had bought this beautiful blanket, not too fancy because my dad's not with, not a fancy guy. Like it was little rough, you know, like little raw, but cool. So we moved the body um, onto the blanket and my sister and I swaddled him just like we swaddled our babies. And I created an altar to him and my mom and everybody had a candle and we had baskets of rose petals and everyone took their time and went and said, thank you. Like, thank you. Not that we didn't have shit. I mean, I had more, more um, adversity with my dad than any of my other siblings. Like we were literally from different planets, which was kind of why, why this was so hilarious that I had this sacred yogi samadhi death with my Republican father, who's like an NRA member. It was literally like a universal joke. I would have never imagined in my life that this opportunity would present. And yet um, my friend had been to the Ganges and she had brought me back water from the Ganges from way up high in the mountains from the origin. And when he died, his mouth was open and the hospice was, you know, apologizing, really sorry. That's just what happens. And so I started pouring the Ganges water in his mouth as his last drink with this planet connected to this planet. And the mouth just started to close and close and they were freaking out going, what are you doing? Like, how did this work? And it was just the divinity and the devotion and the intention, like very simple. And I'm sharing this here because I want people to understand that we don't need a priest or a guru or a shaman or anybody to tell us how to uh, love our loved ones out of this realm. It's like any, and you know, this is very unusual. And, you know, I'm sure many people listening to this would say, well, I couldn't be with my loved one. And that's very, very painful. And you can still do it. You can still do it in your intention with a ceremony, with just stating your intentions. You know, you can create a beautiful altar. I say, use your intuition, use the things that are dear to you and make it up, make it your own, but honor that life. And even though my dad and I fought so much and, oh, he didn't get me and so much drama and trauma in the end, he was the perfect, we chose each other for this friction. And so he gave me that gift of resolution 
in in his last days. And I was very lucky to have that. I, I didn't really need it. I mean, I had written him many letters that were like, dad, you're the perfect dad for me. Like, I know, I, I know we don't like each other basically, but you're the perfect dad for me. And he, and he was a good father. I mean, he was present and he really was there for me. If I ever needed him, we were just very different personalities. So at the end, you know, my mom had, they'd been together over 60 years. And the next day she just said to me, what would I've done if you weren't there? What, what would I have done? Like they just, we just zip our dead up in a plastic bag and they take them away. And we have no interaction with them. In Ireland, there's, a, I think, beautiful story. In Ireland, we have that sense of the wake, which is kind of a very beautiful tradition where often the night before the funeral, like the, the body be laid out in, in a, a cask. 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 Casket. Cask. Ca- a, a box, a wooden a box. box, a wooden box. wooden box, a pine box. Yeah, we're beginning with C. <laughs> yeah, and you go down and you'll <laughs> kind of hang out. And it, normally, awake people will kind of drink, and they'll, it's kind of Sing like a songs. celebration. It's kind of a, it's kind of like a, a subtle communing, kind of saying goodbye, and kind of like the Viking kind of sense of letting them go on their journey. This type of thing. It's very beautiful and similar to what you did. I saw a lovely picture of your mother turning ninety, and that you 90, got her three. <laughs> ninety three. I thought it was a beautiful photo. Ninety four. Yeah, 94 and it was Jeez, you got good genes yeah they're good genes both your parents <laughs> yeah. in the 90s well, there, there was, there was yeah, one thing when true. you were saying that story which I thought was so beautiful you were saying about the divine and that's one thing when I think of you you are all about finding the divine in the daily the daily mundane which people find mundane like we're all going about our, dis, our, our so day what does that mean to you David the divine so, okay the divine to me is more about finding like as Julie will say like we are all spiritual creatures having a human experience and I think within each one of us there is the seed of divinity as in some kind of like greater evolution of ourselves and within each day we can go about our day and brushing our teeth and having our brekkie and doing our job and doing all this type of stuff but in each day there is when you can act like if you were told today was your last day today today is all you got like you're really going to savor that cup of coffee I'm going to savor this interaction I'm going to go oh my goodness what a blessing like mom just gave out to me because she cares so much about me or what like you're just going to see things differently and I think could you talk about that Judy Yeah well you know I speak to the women that are in my spiritual community I I have a, a mentorship online called Water Tiger and Many of them are young mothers and, you know, who has time to be divine? Like who fucking has time? It's like, we're so overloaded with all of these, you know, requirements and things that we have to do. And especially as mothers or, you know, just as people in the external world that are needing to survive and eat and do everything else. And so I always change the the whole perspective and the rules. So when I'm talking about divine, I'm not saying that you have to don a gown and, you know, say namaste to everybody and run around. I'm saying that understanding that we are all from this sacred force and each one of us are completely unique. There's not another one of any one of us in the entire omniverse. That means anywhere that there's life. And so we are precious in this unique perfection And so I think the disconnect is being able to understand that you are an emanation of God, God or goddess or consciousness or the force or the light or whatever you want to call it. But can you cultivate that? Can you get with yourself so deeply that you actually can feel that truth in your body? All of water tiger techniques are designed to lead you into this union. And we do like a lot of mirror work, like go, this is a great technique for people to try. If you want to just 
you know, try this out, go and sit in the mirror, stare at your third eye center and try to keep your eyes open, relax into it and breathe and start to feel who you are. What are you sitting in? You know, who are you? Uh, How does that feel? And can you get so close to yourself and so embodied that you really can feel yourself as a sacred emanation of consciousness? This doesn't mean an only uh, a perfect, I would say perfect. So let's talk about a spectrum. So we experience all kinds of colors of experiences. And part of the, the way that we get stuck is that spirituality has told us that if we're spiritual, then we only play on one level of the spectrum. And that means you're a good person, right? And then what happens inevitably when there's a good person, then there's a huge downfall because we all have this shadow side. So what I'm saying in Water Tiger is let's just all take a breath and relax and let go of all that self-violence, um, and let go of all of that idea of being perfect. How about, how about just being coherent and authentic to who you are and understanding that all experiences, what, whatever color they are on the spectrum, are experiences for your mastery. They're for your evolution. And so when we can get to the place that we understand that we are from a divine force then that means everyone else around us is also. Then when I talk to my moms, I say, you know, because they're like, I don't have time and I'm not sleeping. And when do I do my meditation? And when do I do that program that I bought online? And I said, how about just dedicating changing your baby's diapers to be your most potent sadhana? Sadhana means spiritual practice. So brushing your teeth, could be your most deepest sadhana if you could do it with enough presence. So each one of us is different. You know, I get up in the middle of the night naturally, you know, I'm doing all kinds of all these yogic techniques, which are, which are incredible and, and offer a shelter from the storm. And I highly recommend finding a yoga practice and going into that. I know you guys know about that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really relaxing and just releasing the judgment but but you have to remember who you are as a first point. Love that. Love the sense of presence and just really that the divine lives within presence. And it's only when we are fully being present in whatever we're doing, we have that opportunity, almost like a gateway into this deeper sense of self and that sense of oneness. Or maybe yeah. it's that losing yourself. One thing I'm excited, Julie, and I'd love to talk to you about, and it's wonderful to get to chat to you in this way, is when I was doing a little bit of reading or prep for this, um, Sarah was telling me that age nine, you went to a concert and you came back a born again Christian. I never knew this. I'm fascinated to talk about this. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, how your journey, because you're a wonderful, you know, powerful, embodied female to me. And I'd love to just know a little bit more of this adventure. So funny. So yeah, so, you know, I'm one of these people, like I was born with the gene. I was born with the gene that wanted to know what happened when we died from the very beginning. So I, it, I, I was always like this. I remember being in my crib waiting for someone to come and pick me up. And when I'm the youngest of five kids, and when I became, you know, Sunday school age, my parents stopped going to church. So I started getting a ride with the neighbors to go because I heard about this guy, Jesus, that I just thought was fucking amazing. I was like, that guy. How old were you? How old were you? I was like, I was probably nine when I, well, 
No, I wasn't even nine because, no, I was much younger because I was still living in Colorado. I was born in Colorado and then raised in Alaska. I moved to Alaska when I was nine. So let's see. So I was, I was young. I was like, I don't know, let's say seven. So seven, <laughs> I'm getting a ride to church with the neighbors so I can go, you know, learn about this dude, Jesus, that I'm just like that guy. I'm all about that guy. Um, and I remember getting my Bible and reciting the 23rd Psalm. Uh, and I was so happy about that. And then later, uh, you know, I'm the youngest of five and I've always been an old soul. And my parents just, I guess they were exhausted from all the drama of the older kids. So I had basically had zero supervision. <laughs> so I ended up hanging out with these kids that were much older than I was. And my friend was six years older than I was. And she drove a car. So I was maybe a little older than nine and maybe was 11 um, when that happened. And, and she had become a born again Christian and she took me, you know, just like overnight. So she came and picked me up and took me to this mega church. And, you know, at the time I'm a musician and I was still a shadow musician because I hadn't, you know, at age 11, hadn't fully stepped into my music. And so I went in there and just the combination of God and the, the music and the concert, like I say, the only thing that was missing was like vanilla smoke on the stage. And like the, the minister is like, who wants to get saved? And like, I was just like on the stage, <laughs> jumping up and down I before do, anybody. I, I was first. <laughs> I was like me. Who wants so, to get saved? That's and brilliant. It's, this, it's this hilarious conversation. Though, I'll tell you this because I'm, I, it's in my memoir whenever I finish it, which I don't know when that's going to be, but I did write about it. It's this hysterical experience because I go in the back chamber with the minister and the other people that came up and I suddenly do a scan of the people that are in the circle, like woman with super short dress. Oh my God, that's my orthodontic like assistant from the office from where I get my braces on. And I just sort of went through and, and did sort of a mental inventory of who was there and then my dental hygienist or orthodontic assistant started speaking in tongues, like very forcefully. And there were tears streaming down her face and her mouth was moving a million miles a minute. She didn't make it up. There's no way she could have made it up. Something, something was coming through. And so I remember after that, I asked my parents to send me to Christian school and they refused. And, um, and then I started to see a lot of fanaticism happening, like even as a young person, you know, I would, I would say, wait a second. So like, if you're from China and you were raised Buddhist, then you're going to hell. And like the, you know, the minister would say, that's right, Julie, everybody gets one chance in their lifetime to accept Jesus into their heart or they're screwed. And I, even as a 12 year old, I was like, that just makes no sense. <laughs> like, so I stopped going to church. And I decided to experiment with drugs um, until I could leave One my side family. Side. There you go. Um, so, yeah, so I had, you know, I was just like, I'm stuck in this family. None of them are on this spiritual track. You know, I'm 11, 12, 13 now. And I'm just like, okay, I'll just go over to this other vibration and do that for some years. And then, uh, yeah, when I graduated from college, I was completely drug free. I had done experimented with pot and cocaine and uh, smoking crack, and uh, and then I never I never touched it again after then. Wow, one extreme to the other. That's a good colorful start, Judy. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's good. Uh, good food for my mastery. Yeah, <laughs> and so and then what were like? So you say you're an old soul. 
And what were like catalysts to your own growth? Like, as you said earlier, pain is a great and suffering is the greatest kind of catalyst to waking ourselves up. And like you have been, you are, as Stephen said, you're an incredibly empowered woman and a great role model for so many of us. And I'm just wondering like what else kind of catalyzed, helped kind of catalyze you become more yourself and grow more into your own power? Because even these terms like yourself, it's like, how do we become more ourselves? Like, and even, that, even that term connect with yourself, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, the, don't be so annoying. I, I can't be anything else but myself. Yeah, Except all the programs <laughs> yeah, I'm so hard, you know, that way. Well, I think that obviously the most painful experiences in our lives are the ones that tend to shape us the most. So I can speak about a few of those, but I also want to mention to anybody listening who's sharing some sort of alignment with what I'm speaking to, um, there is the beauty of mysticism, which if you live a life where you're uh, entering into experiences with the, the awareness that everything is divine, uh, and if you apply uh, a devotion, which is powered by the feeling tone of the heart, like if you really feel something deeply or you feel even a yearning or a longing to know an experience or receive an experience, mystic uh, experiences will visit you. <laughs> and so life becomes much more colorful because you'll have these amazing experiences that happen and they're, you know, it's not something that you will likely tell very many people about, but you're clearly being communicated with something that is beyond this physical place. And yeah, we, we learn a lot through trauma. So, I mean, you know, my childhood, my parents were very, very nice people, very good parents. And I had a very complicated sibling uh, lineup, a, a lot of drama, a lot of meanness, like not a very, not a very like idyllic a sibling setup, I would say. And I also felt like I was just waiting to get out of this family so I could go do my, do what I wanted to do. So I, I feel like my childhood was a lot of waiting. I was waiting around and watching this drama unfold. But, and is, you know, that very, why, is that almost why drugs felt like a great, you know, like, you know, the way if you're waiting and in pain or slightly bored or something like drugs could be an easy, uh, you know, a way out of kind of going, oh, well, here we go. I can tap into something else here. Absolutely. And, you know, we we had moved to Alaska where it's dark nine months of the year. And it also was like the Wild West. So you have, you know, the 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 mayor or the governor of Alaska having dinner with the madam who's the head of the whorehouse next to the drug dealer. Like there's no there was no social boundary. It was just a melting pot of people going to Alaska for the oil rush. Pot was legal. Almost everybody had a grow closet going on. And like you could have an ounce of pot on you legally. And then the bars are open all night. So here I am. I have a fake ID. I'm 16 and I'm dancing with my English and biology teachers both Friday and Saturday nights on the weekend. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it like it truly was just wild. Um, and yeah, lots of drugs, just lots of drugs because you're in Alaska. And unfortunately, it wasn't really like Northern Exposure. You know, it's this American. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, if you yeah know I remember show. watching it. Yeah. I watched a few of those. It's not exactly like that. Um, so anyway, so that that was that. And I would say my biggest pain of my adolescence was um, I had a lot of promiscuous sex. Um, I was 
uh, as I said, I chose a design with my father where we were estranged. So I was trying to find that, that, um, that piece. And I, and I compromised my body many, many times and thinking, oh, well, is this love? Oh no, this isn't love. Oh, is this love? So it took me a long time to forgive myself for that um, because sexuality is a very sacred energy and it's a very sensitive energy and it's something that is our most powerful energy. And so when you um, don't care for it um, and I was young, you know, I was, I was a child, I was trying to work it out and, you know, and we had the other male predator uh, program also playing into that, but, um, it took me a long time to really forgive myself for that. So, so that was probably my biggest pain in, in my adolescence. And, and is that, wow. I know, so, so, sorry for interrupting. I know that you, you like, you're a big, as you said there, sex is one of our greatest power. And I know you link like sex, creativity and, and power, like our own inner strength all kind of together. And I guess you know, like maybe as it goes on, I'd love to hear your thoughts in terms of those three. and how Yeah, well, I recently, uh, yeah, thanks, Dave. I, I recently started teaching this retreat. I was waiting for someone else to teach it. And then I realized I was going to have to teach it. But really um, in my work, um, I do healing sessions uh, for individuals. And I was just noticing that over 92% of the people that I work with have been molested as children. It's actually wow. not rare at all. It's a completely common. And, and men and women. So when you really feel into it, for me, sexuality is spirituality, is creativity. And if you have an imbalance sexually, you're probably stifled creatively or you're not connected spiritually. So it's sort of a trinity of forces. And I started to feel that this moment on the planet is really the time that we have an opportunity to rewrite this experience, you know, as men, as women, as people in relationships, whatever, whatever, whatever variation that takes. Um, but, you know, we're not interacting with this frequency in a very high way, like a very expanded way. We're using it at the, at the most constricted aspect. And I would say even violent, dark, abusive and so what would we do if we knew that sexuality was our greatest, greatest power? Like, what if we could use it to heal our body or manifest our dreams or maybe even heal the waters or heal the, the planet? You know, like we could think of it even in that, that expanded of a way. And so if you knew it was that precious, you wouldn't be doing what I was doing. What when I was an adolescent, you wouldn't just be throwing it around or you wouldn't be allowing it to use you. You would be um, inner, like communing with it and embodying it in the highest aspect that you could. Wow. Sexuality, creativity and spirituality. Like I really do believe this link. And like we, we've done a whole series on sex. And one of the first ladies we done, she talked talked about like how you show up in life is how you show up in sex and how you show up in sex is how you show up in life. And I really do. In my experience, I kind of go, OK, that seems to make sense. And like 
sexuality in our own sense is like our most naked, vulnerable, insecure kind of self, you know, how we show up. And also spirituality, like they're, they're very revealing. So I can totally understand these links. I can go, yeah, I really get that. So for anyone listening, like, how do you, like, I, I know you've talked about me too and gone, well, this is just a spiritual, this is a way for us to evolve as a species because it's, you know, there's so much room for growth in our own sexuality and the traumas we have around it and the insecurities around it. Could you, could you talk about that for, for a bit? Yeah. I mean, well, let me just be clear about me too. Uh, I mean, I have, I have, if I had been uh, a young woman a little later down the road, I would have been a very wealthy woman <laughs> because I have me, me too stories as every woman does. But, you know, when I was in my twenties, I was being, you know, assaulted by my bosses who were worth $400 million who were locking me in my showroom, who I had to call for help. Like, I mean, you know, come on, like, the 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 predatory program against women on this planet is uh is just uh severe you know and has been so let me just be clear about that um and no one's more happy than i am that this came up for reclamation my point is that when i see a news story that um a male predator is being punished it does not give me resolution. Uh, and so what I'm saying is in order to resolve it, you know, I'm a mother of two sons. I'm married to a beautiful man. I love you guys. I love men. Like I love men and I have the masculine inside of me. And so the solution isn't to just swing to the other pendulum and be like, okay, let's cut off all the penises now. You know, like let's be, let's understand that we both have these energies within us and that behavior was by design. It was actually put into the spiritual uh, history of our planet. The, the feminine was ripped out of spiritual knowledge, you know, thousands of years ago. This is where this begins. It doesn't begin with a, with a guy who's an asshole. You know, that's, that's the effect of it. So again, going back to this moment that we're in this moment of planetary transformation and we are going to rewrite the way that we are in relationship with each other together. Like we've never seen it. It's never existed here in a, in a totally balanced um, embodied form. You know, it, it's been out of balance all, all along. And and do you see it starting to become more balanced? Like it's certainly like in our lifetime now, I'm amazed and I'm, I'm, I admire the courage of so many people. Like, you know, there's so much more inclusion and so much more, you know, of the less represented groups are coming more to the surface, like, and people transgender and all these type of, you know, various forms of our sexualities are rising up and being accepted. And with that, there's, you know, there's the whole process within it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, again, I think it remains to be seen. And I think it's upon each one of us. It's a, it's an inner journey. You know, I taught this sacred sexuality um, workshop in, at the Art of Living in Boone, North Carolina in October. And, you know, it wasn't about, you know, touching anyone else or focusing on your partner. It wasn't a partner's workshop because you have to align those energies within yourself first. And sexuality can be self-communion. You know, it can be using, cultivating your own energy and then directing that energy where you want to direct it. Um, so I think we're at the very beginning of rewriting it. And I don't think any of us have ever had examples of really what that is. 
So, you know, it's the beginning, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the very beginning. And, and I do believe in humanity and I do, do believe in this, in this evolution. And, and I think it's a, it's a miraculous time on the planet right now. And so I encourage everybody to uh, go in and explore it and uh, find uh, how it is connected to you and how you would express it. Like even starting to cultivate, like there's some very basic things. First, I think we have to know what happened. So you have to understand that women were ripped out of spiritual knowledge. And, and I'll use like the Christian format just because that, that's one I'm familiar with, but there are many others. Um, but, you know, we were, women were burned at the stake for healing someone with a plant. As in back, they were burning a witches like that type of yeah. thing. Yeah. But they weren't yeah. witches. They were like us. They were like yeah, they were a happy women. pair. They were like, they were like plant power. That's what they were. <laughs> but they say they were witches. They weren't witches. They just were like, oh, that baby's breech. Let me turn it. Ah, oh, burn her. You know, it was a gnarly patriarchal agenda to extinguish the feminine frequency. So who are the spiritual beings? Who are the we are all spiritual, but but what energy holds that flame? It's the feminine. The feminine is the multidimensional. She is the benevolent. She is able to guide communities and family. She kept the sacred heart of the fire alive in the kitchen, in the heart of the home. She knew how to heal with, with, you know, with prayers, with ceremonies, with waters, with plants, with herbs. And, and, and so this... See- do you so see like, more? Sorry, sorry, I let you finish. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to ask: Do you see more of this energy? Because, like as you said, two thousand years ago, this feminine energy got snuffed out, and it, it hasn't been part of our story. And I'm wondering, like right now, do you see the emergence of more female energy? Do you feel like, or is it still like you know you've used the, used the word patriarch quite a few times, and I'm going, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, men bad. Yeah, I you, love you guys. That comes too up, so that comes up in, in every ep- in most episodes, like, and I'm like, yeah, I totally get it. I really do. I agree. And I'm kind of going, do you see more of you know female empowerment and women female energy being embodied? Well, it, it is it more about kind of men learning to move beyond that sense of masculinity to where realizing that it's not necessarily the gender; it's about the balance and the harmony between the expression of the masculine Ooh. and the feminine within. Good one, Steve. And no, I think to so. Both sides I of like ourselves that. to be more whole. Oh, nice. No, I do. I genuinely think that's. I great. also feel though that the masculine, you know, it's like listen, like this is the, this is the uh, imbalanced, screwed up film or movie or narrative that's been playing out of this planet. It's it's by design. Like it's not the masculine's fault. You know what I mean? It's it's just the way it was. Like it's the way it was, and now it's not that Change. way. And it's yeah. time for us to rewrite it. And so um, I feel like, again, it's uh, the masculine really is just waiting for the feminine to tell him what to do. <laughs> oh, so it's true. I mean, the masculine energy is just, if, if the feminine shows the way, the masculine is coming. And that, that doesn't, it doesn't matter what gender that is. It's, it's the energy within you. So, you know, we begin by creating sacred spaces around your sexual communion, like making sure that you have, you know, prepared it with prayer intention. You've recognized each other as divine beings. You're entering into communion with some awareness. You know, you're creating this sort of altar space, recognizing that your bodies are, are temples, 
Your bodies are temples for this sacred energy. And using kind of the act of sex as a means of a spiritual practice, as a sense of the ultimate presence, because the very nature of when you're engaged in sex is you're not kind of thinking about, oh, I must do the dishes. At least, exactly. you know, at least my experience with it, I'm totally consumed with it. So it, 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 it kind of makes a lot of sense that kind of sex can be this incredibly spiritual practice. And yeah. it's beautiful. And it doesn't have to be like, just try it, like take one session and dedicate it to something. And then let it go and let it be free and passionate. And I also talked about this in the workshop. Like one of the dangers is to, is to project onto sacred sex. Like it's only with angel wings. No, like that you're missing it. Eyes. No, it's like Could we it are human. We're like human. Rough and you know, and it's ultimately yeah. down to presence again. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm joking. Can, 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 I, can I ask one thing there? It was like, okay, so we've got so, and I, I re, I'm really enjoying this. So, sex, creativity, and spirituality, they're all interlinked, and I think that's beautiful. I think it really is. And you said it starts with kind of like us healing the sexuality because we start healing our sexual traumas and insecurities. Well, then our creativity will flow more in our spirituality because we'll probably understand more about ourselves. So, I'm wondering for anyone listening who kind of goes, okay, like I'm not really connected to my own sexuality, like I've been i've grown up in a sex negative culture i'm kind of like i don't feel that plugged into like i don't even like connect with my parts down there like what would you say to people like how how do we awaken this within ourselves i think it's a it's a spiritual operation and i think you have to begin with embodying your being meaning your heart space so it it's all the spiritual practices that will allow allow that connection with your sexuality to awaken I wouldn't start awakening your sexuality. I would start okay. awakening your spiritual connection because spiritual connection is the first thing. It's not the 25th thing. It's the thing that feeds everything in our lives. So if you handle that, meaning, you know, you get up in the morning, you breathe, you like drink a cup of tea ceremoniously, you breathe into your heart space, you find a yoga practice, you go on a walk, you, whatever that communion is for you. Um, and I really, really highly, highly, highly recommend mirror work and it's confrontational and you might cry and you might see, you know, you might see some variations of you coming in and out of other time spaces. It's a very, very powerful practice that you can get a lot of traction with very quickly. I've never heard of it, but we do have mirrors in our houses. So, so yeah. So just reminding you, sit, go in private with no, you know, get, get, get yourself a private space. A really good time to do it is like 4.30 in the morning or at night before you go to bed and sit in front of the mirror comfortably and relax your eyes and gaze on your third eye center. You want to try to keep your eyes open. You won't be able to because your eyes will burn and you'll blink, but try then open them again. Relax and breathe, connect with your breath and observe what you feel inside and what you're seeing in your energy and stick with it. Do it like 10 minutes a night for 41 days. 41 days. Yeah, wow. man. Okay, cool. <laughs> that sounds, well, 41 cents is reasonable. You could, do, or 10, you like. could do 20, 20 days too. Okay, 20 is okay. Okay, cool. You could and even just try it once if it seems like that's too overwhelming. But I'm just saying, if you really want to get with who you are, and if you're disconnected and you're not creative and you don't know what you're doing, why don't you go find out what you're sitting in? Beautiful. I like that, that sense of giving yourself the ultimate presence. 
present of presents. Like there a Christmas present. It's the holidays. Christmas presents. Wee! Uh, Julie, <laughs> one thing I'd love to talk about is that the, the concept of surrendering. We're na- right now living in an age where we're, we're self-driven and we're self-directed and you can have it all if you go pursue it. And it can be quite overwhelming. And exhausting. And exhausting and overwhelming. And You said that word twice. Do you feel overwhelmed today? No. A little bit? No. (laughs) Um, But uh, in modern day society, um, we're seldom taught that sense of surrender. And ultimately at the root of the sense of surrender is trust and that sense of letting go. I wonder if we could talk about the, the... the concept of surrendering and kind of that sense of trusting the very nature of what brought us into life is going to take us where we're meant to be and kind of allowing life to happen as opposed to having to self-direct it. I wonder if we could converse around that topic because I love we, it. Yeah, we could. And and this is my secret. This is my secret with regards to that. Oh, that secret. Is, Here we go. I have a drum secret. roll, drum roll, please. So as you guys know, I do a lot of things like I a know. lot of like. I mean, we yeah, haven't talked about my food company yet, which your I cheese, want yeah, to talk about. Yeah, get to your but, cheese. Yeah, definitely. But um, I do, I'm kind of like Lakshmi. Like I've got a lot of arms and they're holding up different universes and different time spaces. And so I, I'm not a person who is sitting around lounging, like not doing very much. Um, but I've cultivated a way to vision. Uh, so, so I'll have like a, a falcon view or a vision of what, I feel my desire is as a, as a being, as a soul, as a human, you know, some are smaller and some are quite expansive. And so I'll go into the feeling tone of that. And so really feel it sensory. Like, what is it? How does it feel like, like, why does that touch my heart? What is the quality of the experience? What do I see myself doing? What do I see the product doing? Um, how is it affecting other beings that come into relationship with it. And, and then I have this whole sort of, um, it's not a lit, I don't work off lists. I have like a sphere of, uh, experiences, or maybe you could say, I'll just call them events. They could be tasks. They could be events. They could be awarenesses, but let's just say it's all in the sphere. And then when I go to bed at night, I give all of it over to the great mother. You could say the cosmic mother, the breath, the force, the light, whatever it is for you. And I just say, it's yours. And I let it go. And then in the morning, when my feet hit the ground, I dedicate my life to serve that force as this fractal. You could say a fractal of that mirror that is exactly the way that I am. There's not another one of me in the entire omniverse, just like all of us. And I go through the day serving that um, in full presence, fun, creativity, heart, emotion. Um, uh, I have, a, I have a, a great Saturn aspect in my chart, which allows me to really uh, organize and manifest stuff, even though I'm a completely not organized person. It's a very unique thing. Um, and so I would say that is the surrender for me. The surrender is the knowledge that we are serving this force from where we all come. And so I don't get the credit. Like I had an art show years ago and I did these huge tree images that were like four by 10 feet. They were massive. And I remember being in the gallery, just feeling as if I hadn't done any of it. And 
I had borrowed my friend's camera and I had shot some trees and I just did move some dials on Photoshop. And then I did this big show and it just all happened. And I remember this guy coming up to me, very serious photographer. And he said to me, really amazing. He said, what did you shoot it on? And I looked at him and I had no idea of any of the technical equipment. And I said to him, I go, I think it was a Canon. <laughs> That's all I could offer because, but it was a beautiful experience because when you interact with life like that, um, I don't get the blame and I don't get the credit. Like I'm just the vessel. And it gives a lot of freedom. And when somebody says to me, I, I love your art or I love your music, it just feels like the wind blew across my cheek. And I can say, yeah, it's a great song. Or yeah, I love my cheese is really phenomenal. It's because my, my personality is not connected to it at that level. It, be, it belongs to the great mother. And so I can... I can advocate for it more. You know, my personality is sort of out of the way. Does that what, make sense? What, what about the other way? What about the other spectrum? Like, so say on social media, you put up something and people get angry and they start throwing muck at you. Does that stick or is that like the wind just blowing across your face? Because like, it's all like, you know, compliments is like, oh yeah. And, and sometimes my ego smiles and sometimes it doesn't. But like when people are critical, that's when it can often press buttons in people and they can go, ooh, ooh, that's me. They're, they're that, offending me. That's a cold, oh icy wind. Oh my God, wind. I feel stabbed. You know, <laughs> no, it can feel I mean, very personal. I mean, it's such, a, it's such the ultimate uh, training ground, isn't it? You know, especially, you know, as present as you guys on, are on social media, you know, and me as well, you know, I don't know. I, d I think it depends on if you fully digested it, you know, like I had, um, if I'm fully aligned in it. So, so I always look at it. Like I never post anything that I am sorry that I posted because when you post, if you post from full alignment, and no matter what anybody says, of course, we know like whatever anybody's saying, they're just saying it about themselves. But if you look back on it and go, I made a mistake, I should have never said that, or I spoke out about an issue that I have no, I have no connection to. Um, and I regret that, then, then I think it's an issue. But I think if you're really aligned to the coherence of who you are, like I had some people, I posted a glass of wine with Shreemu. <clears throat> yeah, and, I saw it you know, on one of your I, cheese videos. Oh, and somebody freaked out, you know, like, I'm done with you. That's it, you know, and I'm just, I, I just found humor in it and just love. Just like, oh my God, look at the human condition, how you just try to, you know, like, like people drink wine and cheese, you know, does that make me the antichrist because I was holding a glass of wine? And on top of it, it's Quechia Bella, which is, um, Sebastiano Castellanos, a vineyard who's like a huge animal rights activist, like this amazing dude who's done so much in the space. But it's like, you know, so I, I don't know. I just, I think again, for that, it's like being coherent with who you are is also keeps you safe. You know, like if you, if you only speak to what is authentic to you, then whatever anybody says or doesn't say, it's irrelevant. You know, somebody said to me, actually, let me show this. Um, I had a, a really famous artist. I can't remember his name, but um, he did all the posters of like the Grateful Dead and the Beatles and all those kind of psychedelic posters. 
And when I finished my first album with my boys in like 2013, I reached out to him. And at the time, I had an art website. And he wrote back and said, I love your tree photographs. And I was like, oh. And he said, your paintings hurt my eyes. And he said, sorry. (laughs) He said, sorry. And, you know, his fee was like 20 grand for like a poster. He's like, I'm too expensive. But I laughed when he said that because I had really entered into this stage of just serving that force, the fractal. And I giggled and I kind of said out loud, I was like, well, tell God about that. Like, tell, tell Divine Mother about that. Like, because I channeled these paintings from this energetic place that was not connected to my personality. I had no idea what was coming out. And in the end, those paintings catalyzed a huge life transformation for the person that commissioned them from me. And I probably maybe may never have that experience with another human again. And if art is meant to affect a person, that experience was once in many lifetimes. So I was just like, you know, it's just a perspective. So I don't know if that helps. Brilliant. Brilliant. Can I ask, can I get a quick, like, okay, so so this, this is this two words that Steve wrote down here and which, which I kind of was on the tip of my tongue to talk about. Could you do like a five minute quick Julie Pyatt masterclass on manifesting and abundance? Because those are two words which Steve wrote down. It was like, oh yeah, we should definitely ask Julie about them. Like manifesting people go, oh, how do I manifest my dream life? And like, you know, if you've read any of those books like The Secret or watched the documentary or whatever, they kind of say, okay, you've got to like dream up your perfect world, dream up your perfect world or dream up your perfect life, your perfect partner. And then you sit there and you feel it and you feel it every day and then, well, and don't expect how it's going to come. And then suddenly you wake up one day and whatever it is you dream about shows up. Could you talk a little bit about that? I, I kind of subscribe to some of that. Uh, again, yeah, no, I no, think... I know. I'm, that's what I'm just wondering. Is that Yeah, I think you're more... going back to, I mean, secret, you know, I think one of the pitfalls of humans is that we enter into spiritual practice for, because we want to get what we want. (laughs) Yeah, we want something material. And, you know, spiritual path is not for the weary. It is for, for warriors and for people who are really sincere and have true heart. And, and I believe we all have that, that at the core. Um, I would start at coherence, Um, I don't think you know what you want until you know who you are. Um, So I would start journaling, looking for clues. What did you love when you were six? What is it or what environment makes you feel completely like blissed out? Um, What foods do you like? Um, How do you uh, enter into the world? Just all of these sort of... uh, elements like like what is your element wind water earth fire you know maybe it's a couple maybe you know really you have to go on a journey of self-discovery to really understand what you want i think the problem in our world is that we have advertising right which is we're being bombarded with all of these things and a friend of mine used to call it the shiny red bike where you're like sitting there in meditation. Then you see somebody ride by in a shiny red bike and you're like, I want a shiny red bike. And then all of a sudden you figure out like you don't even like to ride a bike or you can't ride a bike. So not every, you know, again, let's remember each of us are completely unique in the entire omniverse. That means if you don't fulfill you, then there's not another Steve coming. 
There's not another Dave coming. So it's not like if you fuck this up, it's not like, oh, well, the other Dave will show up and pick up the pieces. So that's how important your life is. So who are you living it for? Your, your parents, your society, your partner, some idea of something that you thought was it, which is, you know, the human journey. Like I wanted this so badly and I got it and I was empty, you know? So this mirror work or the meditation or connecting to my techniques on water tiger, these are all to lead you into this resonance of who you are. And when you feel that and you know that, you know, it's all levels. We're, we're doing it forever. But then you can really understand what it is you want to create and what is going to create your evolution. And let's remember doing many things and having many experiences cultivates more evolution for yourself and the planet. So this idea in our culture of, oh, you should do one thing, like that is so obsolete. And I think many of us are doing many, many, many things. So, you know, somebody was like, you know, embrace your backslash like a while ago. Um, but uh, I think it's making sure that what it, what it is that you're, you're desiring to, to experience is aligned to you. And then I want to remind you that each one of us are our own universal creators. We're our own universe unto yourself. And you can create anything, any experience that exists you can experience it. We don't think that we can, and we get caught in fear around money. So I find a lot of, it's why I, I don't, I haven't really taught on manifesting money because um, I find it to be a kindergarten. It's an illusion. Like it's not where you want to go. That's not where you're going to find, you know, the, 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 the grail. Um, so, and then, and then it's all of that. Then after you have that maturity and you have that knowledge, then yeah, it's experiencing it. It's some of the stuff, what I already talked about, you know, visioning it. I say, hold on loosely. Um, also doing stuff each day towards that dream. Like, are you taking action? You know, just every day, like, what are you doing that feeds that? Brilliant. Yeah. I like that. Nice but, but, I, but you guys leave. You guys leaving me now? Was that the no, it's no, time's up? I don't know why Steve no. has an alarm. No, that was my alarm. Sorry, that was because I had to call and order some vegetables for the kitchen. That was okay. my alarm to remind <laughs> me because otherwise I knew I, I had to call Kate away to order some uh, baby jam lettuce. Steve's like, I have to go now. See you no, later. no, no, no. But, but, but I love that about ultimately finding who you are because even when you're saying it, it's like to sit there and ponder and journal and go, who am I? Like what actually, when do I feel most blissful or what like environment makes me thrive most? Like, because I really think those are the ultimate questions and when you can answer them, then you might go, what the hell am I doing? Like I should be off doing something else in particular and it really does like back to we are all such programmed creatures to go i need a house with no mortgage i need a beautiful partner i need two kids or whatever it might be like we all have these kind of programs that we're living out and not until we really connect and when you said when you really connect with who you are ultimately you'll probably get to those great spiritual truths of going wow like i really just want to peace and i really want more of this inner journey and what happens in the outside is less important. And then when you reach that point, then probably all the stuff on the outside just exactly. happens because it's not important. Then you and that's get the everything. Irony. Then everything that's the is just irony there. of life because you don't care. Like, and then you get big houses and you get loads of stuff because you sure. don't really want it. Uh, Julie, can we talk cheese? You've, so uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Julie's written a number of best-selling books. 
Um, we, last time you were here, we we filmed your cheeses because your cheese book was out, and right in this very studio, we filmed recipes of your cheeses, and they were delicious I and they're wonderful. And I know you've taken that ball and you've ran with it, and ran with it, sprinted with it, and kind of did a big, um, you know, superwoman flight uh, with Shreemu <laughs> cheeses. I wonder if you could tell us all about this and your your journey on it because they look magnificent, and I look forward to um, trying them. I know, I know. Well, you know. Um, you guys know. So I've been in the space for years and I think created just under 500 plant-based recipes. And when I started creating some of the basic cheese recipes, I was like, you know, there's something really here because I would just do like a cashew cheese sauce and I couldn't even get it on the table and it would be just devoured, super delicious, like really super tasty. And so when I turned in the plant power away, which was my first manuscript, I decided I was going to really go into cheese. And I had some advisors tell me, don't do that, you know, do pizza or do a smoothie. I was like, no, no, I'm doing cheese. So I just went in and, and just much like I've described in this podcast and my process, I don't study other people. I don't look outside of me to find out stuff. I go inside of me and start playing sort of like a child. So I'm really good in the kitchen uh, and usually, you know, don't have any fails as far as cooking. And I, I had a lot of fails in making cheese because um, I was, you know, it's kind of like a technology and trying to figure it out. But I have to say that um, entering into it with devotion, with awe and wonder, with a freedom and a courage and like allowing myself this safe place, I was absolutely blown away by the cheese I was making and what was coming out of the dehydrator and what was really happening. I had some really dear friends of mine who were in fashion, uh, Jan and Lucy um, Welters, and, and he's a, a big fashion photographer who lives part-time in Paris, and, uh, and then she's Australian, and, and they have these beautiful kids. And anyway, they started coming by for the cheese. <laughs> and they're, you know, they're living in Europe, so I knew they were big critics. And I thought it was that good, but they were like, you got to do this cheese. Like, this is absolutely insane. So I cultivated it for a long time. I published this cheese is nuts. Um, so I didn't really have designs to start a company. I didn't start this as a business project. It was a natural, organic, artistic expression. Um, and I created something that was very, very, uh, very beautiful and very delicious. And then I took my time because I'd been a fashion designer and I was well aware of how much waste there is in production and what it takes to run a company and, you know, really was it significant and, and how much good would it really do? And was it really what I wanted to do? And Rich was like, hurry up. Why are you taking so long? You know, and I worked with my friend, Brian O'Hara, who has written and read backwards his whole life. And he started developing these beautiful um, fine art pieces with coding. So he uses a word in reverse, coding, uh, and it like becomes like coding. Yeah, Man, we met him. Remember? Yeah, no, Brian O'Hara. Yeah, cool. cool. Yeah. Cool oh right, right, right. Oh, he's right, a right, great right. dude. Remember, he's, he's a great dude, and he's such crack. We have to oh, give him deadly. a shout out. So oh, if anybody wants to check out his map. stuff. I still have to. one of his paintings. I still one. He did a drawing, like a cool drawing with my word, with some word, my magic word in the middle of it. I remember it. Yeah. yeah. So if anybody wants to check him out, go to Atelier O'Hara on Instagram. Just I'm going to do that right now. Okay. So getting back. So it's Shrimu, do life, not cheese. And the do represents devotional offering because it's, it's a devotional offering for life. Not cheese. So 
he used devotional offering and turned that in reverse. And that's my beautiful branding. So I came out with a beautiful black label subscription offering of Shrimu. Um, it's plant-based artisanal cheeses. It's the next evolution of cheese. I'm not asking you to give up your love of cheese. I just made it better and beautiful. And, um, <laughs> and so it's options. Jeez, you're brilliant. I'm Go, brilliant. Judy, you're powerful. You really are. You're brilliant. I'm, well, and the thing I'm, is, thank you guys. Um, I, a couple of things I wanted to share with you. I wanted to remind you. I'm not sure if you guys know this or remember this. Um, and I haven't given up on my alliance with the happy pair in Ireland, by the way. Great. Um, I'm, I'm looking to, I am moving into the EU. Um, I'm going to be uh, producing cheeses in Dominer in the spiritual community in Italy. Wow. Which, yeah, which is High just so amazing. Jesus. And... I would like to invite you guys both to come to Dominher. I would love to give you a tour and welcome you into that community and show you what's going on. Justin told us all about it. So I I believe it's meant to be literally out of this world because it's beneath the cave or, you know, it's meant to be really incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, they built these temples to mankind inside a mountain in secret over 20 years. 50 individuals built them and they are artistic works and uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. So... Um, but I was in your uh, facility and you were giving me a tour and there were some bars going along on a conveyor belt. And I had this vision of Shrimu um, and the whole floor fell out. And do you remember I had to sit down and you walked me outside like I, I totally lost my orientation to this time space. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, so, um, so the company's like two and a half years old. We've experienced amazing growth. Um, we are already profitable, which is extremely rare. Um, and I'm now just launched a wholesale collection. So we're moving into wholesale and we have like, I don't know, five different products boxes that we offer that you can get. So you can subscribe at shrimu.com. It's the U S and Canada. Um, we have been successful in getting Shrimu into Switzerland, Spain, France, UK, but you know, the shipping's astronomical, so you would have to really want it. Um, but we're wanting to move into the EU and, uh, you know, I love Ireland. I have met many, many, much of my being is Irish. My DNA is like 24% Irish. Um, and I felt Ireland to be my home and, and feel you guys to be my brothers. And i I would always, always, always be honored to collaborate with you in every way. And uh, just in this moment of COVID, in this moment of, you know, planetary exits that we don't know uh, when they're going to occur, I just think it's important that I communicate to you how beautiful you guys are and what an amazing energy you carry and how much joy you brought to Rich in my life. And, you know, it's just been fun, like a fun ride to know you and, you're dear. You're very, very dear to me. So I, I wanted to say that to you guys. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. That's beautiful. That didn't just brush off my cheek. That went into my heart. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It did. Beautiful. Awesome day. I, I, I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. so much. Thank you. Thank you. And that idea of Plant Power Italia in May sounds fabulous. Oh, yeah. the tour Fingers crossed. Because right now, right now in Ireland, like it's howling winds. It's been a day of rain. Like it's been ferocious. Like it's a day to wrap yourself up in a duvet and watch movies. And the thought of going to Italy in the sun to hang out with like wonderful, beautiful people and rich and you, like that sounds like heaven. 
So listen, I'm going to give you the dates right now. They're scheduled for May 14th through the 21st. Wow. So just put it on your schedule and let's cross our fingers and hope that we navigate out of uh, these constrictions and that we are all able to move and create and be and love each other more. And move into expansion. Isn't that a lot yeah. you could say that's expansion? I totally, like totally. Judy, you're powerful. You really, really are. I, I, I enjoyed our conversation immensely. I personally got lots out of it. I genuinely did. So mm, thank I'm you. Most grateful. And for anyone wanting to learn more about Water Tiger, or wanting to just learn more about, about sh- your work, about Shri Mu, about your yoga practice, about your sexual retreats, about any of these type of things, where do we go, Julie? Where do we well, go? Well, the best place is just Srimati on Instagram. It's S-R-I-M-A-T-I. Um, you can also go to juliepyatt.com. Uh, but for Srimu, it's srimu.com, S-R-I-M-U.com. And on Instagram, it's Srimu Do Life, S-R-I-M-U Do Life. Not cheese. No, I just added that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Love that. Well, thank you, Judy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for everything. You're wonderful. You're uh, super inspiring and uh yeah, yeah, you know, keep on shining. Make not, th- not that we have to tell you. No, yeah, yeah love exactly. you guys. Thank you love so you too, much, Julie. and I'll I'll look forward to hugging you in person oh, in 2022. Yes, yes please. Love okay. you, Julie. Cheers, Julie. Lots of love. Lots of love. love. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, there you have it. There's the wonderful Julie Pyatt. Genuinely, I have so much love and respect for her. Uh, if you made it this far, we are most grateful. Genuinely. Um, and if you do ever get to hang out with Julie, she is immensely powerful in person. And there's this gentle, just ferociousness warm, and loving, warm, geez. warm, loving, maternal, glorious energy. So, yeah, I hope you already got something out of that. I certainly got loads of little tidbits out of it. And um, yeah, yeah. If you enjoyed this, check out some of our other podcasts. We are most grateful for your attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, if you do like this, please give us a five star review. And if you didn't like it, no one likes a complainer. So don't tell your friends. <laughs> uh, yeah. Big shout out to Julie. <laughs> do check her out. Uh, massive shout out to the wonderful Sarah Fawcett and Shoni Cal for producing this podcast. Thank you for listening. And we wish you a wonderful day. Bye 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 bye